Yeah, so just before we do communion, let me just share this verse. This always amazes me, and we've been in John 13 with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. That after serving the Last Supper to them, declaring it was his body and his blood that's being broken, the Bible says that he gets up from the table and goes to their feet. The God who's about to die for them is now at their feet serving them in one of the most humbling ways that could be done. And it's just so amazing. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ on the same night in which he was betrayed. That statement always amazes me. The night he's being betrayed. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Ushers, if you'll come and prepare the elements we're going to serve here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's just so amazing to me that God would humble himself to that level of giving his life for us and say, this is my life being given for you. What an amazing sacrifice and gift. Amen? That he would love us so much. Love displayed through complete and total commitment and sacrifice for us. And so this morning, we're just asking you to stand to your feet and exit to the left, and the ushers are going to serve you. And I'm going to have Pastor Brian and Break pray for us over the elements this morning. Go ahead and come. Lord, you sat at the table and you broke the bread and you said, take, eat, this is my body that's broken for you. God, I thank you right now that because of your body, because of those 39 stripes, Lord God, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no addiction, there's no principality, there's no power of darkness, there's no weapon formed against the enemy that gets to prosper against us. God, I thank you, God, that you rigged the system from that night on that, that Lord, as soon as we bought in, Man, we win. There's no losings off the table. God, I thank you that I thank you, God, that whatever people are struggling with right now, I pray, I think that whatever mountain people are are dealing with right now, whatever obstacle they got in their life, Lord God, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, I thank you that right now, because your body was broken, God, we have victory. Let's take this, let's take this piece and let's let's take it together in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I thank you for the Bible says that this blood, as we drink, that we should do it and as often as we remember you. So, Father, in this very hour, God, we remember what you did on the cross, the blood shed on Calvary, Father, that give us access. So, Father, you said without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So, Father, each and every individual, as we take this cup, Father, that it wipe away, Father, every hurt every pain, every systemic racism, Father, every racist word, Father, that is being broadcasted across the media, every division, Father, I come up against it right now in the spirit of unity, Father. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. You died so we can be reconciled back to you. So, Father, if you can reconcile us back to the Father, we can be reconciled back to one another. So, as we drink of this cup, Father, we move on as the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, the old things, the past, the past hurts 
have been wiped away. Yes. We do this in remembrance of you. Amen. Come on, somebody give God a good praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you like this morning. I'm going to give Pastor a couple minutes just to give us an update of what's going on. <laughs> hey, good morning, Solid Rock. How you guys doing today? Good, good. So, uh, as you heard Pastor say, when I came up here, I, did I mention that I was running at the time? I did I don't, I don't know if I remember if I said I was running, but, um, but not only did I win, but I, I, went and I ran and won in a landslide. Amen. So that night when I was celebrating, the Lord said, okay, it's time for you to take Congress. I'm like, God, I ain't even, I ain't even get sworn in yet. I just, I just found out that I won tonight. Let, let me get something, you know, let me rest. Let me eat. This, is, this was a journey. But God had told me something. He said, I'm, I'm not done with your testimony. Amen. And as you guys know, in 2020, they really push racism a lot and really push it hard. And even as we speak today, just get you like, let, you, let you know where I'm coming from. I, I got my Dr. Seuss socks on. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I intentionally went to... I put on the internet last night, I said, which Dr. Seuss socks should I wear? Yeah. I had about six pairs to choose from. <laughs> Somebody said, you should put on the bright yellow ones. That'll really stand out. So, so I got to make sure they stand out. Because I'm tired of council culture. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not about Mr. Potato Head and syrup. They, they try to get to counseling Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's, what they, that's the end game. Yeah. And so God took me and told me to take my pulpit and put it all the way in the political arena. And so I'm, I'm, going after, I'm going after systemic racism. I'm going after the division. So, so I, I want to end this with something real beautiful that I like to do. So if you guys would just bear with me for just you know, another minute, I want to do something real beautiful. Um, every, every Caucasian man, stand up. Or you identify yourself as Caucasian. <laughs> you got to be politically correct nowadays, right? For, for, for a few hundred years, they've been keeping black men and white men divided. And, and they've been using it for, for too long. Not one person in here is old enough to have owned a slave. So, but, but, but even if you did, there's a scripture in the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, the old things have passed away. Come on. And at some point in time, we got to start really believing that, that the Bible really works. Yes. Yeah. We got to start believing that what Christ did on the cross, he really wiped away our sins. Yes. Even racism. Hey. That, that classified as a sin. So I want to say to every, every Caucasian man in here identify themselves with Caucasian men. We are brothers in Christ. Come on. The Bible says there is no difference, no slave, nor free, nor black, nor white. So we got to get this malice and this, this media produced agenda out of the way because this is the devil's agenda. Amen. So we got to get to being Christians amongst one another. 
So every Caucasian man in here, I love you in Christ. I love you as a brother. I would go to battle for you each and every day. I was excited to call Pastor Don and say, I'm coming up there just to fellowship with you. But we got to start showing the media something different because they're going to keep going with this narrative. I'm the most dangerous political figure in California. Come on. Because I really want to unite this America. I really want to see a United States of America. So every Caucasian man in here, that blood that was shed on the cross was for you. It was for me to reconcile us one to another. So help me do, do me a favor. Let's push the love of Christ over everybody you come against. Everybody you meet. Say, I met a black man today that said he loved me. I'm telling you, I love you. Regardless of your negative encounter you may have had with a black person before, this brother right here, he love you. I love you with all my heart. Y'all be blessed. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Don. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 9. Did you bring your Bible? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. You bring your Bible? Yes. Make this declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word that speaks to us, that changes us, that transforms us and conforms us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name, somebody said. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 9. I want to read a few verses. And uh, then uh, today I, I'm, I'm tying a knot in this message that we've been on, on Towser titles and dealing with peripheral compassion and seeing the need around us and Jesus expanding what we're supposed to be doing. And this morning I just want to take it and, and uh, just kind of launch us into what I'm calling a servolution. Amen. Good to have a revolution, but I believe the church is called to have a servolution. Amen. Amen. Where we serve God and we live and we bring transformation and change by serving those around us. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And look at this. And healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. That's what I believe. If we'll give our hearts to have a servolution, we'll see the anointing of God break through in a greater measure than ever before. Because something dynamic happens when we get our lives off of us and ask God to do something through us for somebody else. Amen. When we're just waiting to receive and we just want to receive, nothing happens. But when you desire to be a channel for God's love, compassion, and power to flow through to somebody else, things begin to happen. Amen. So it happens through this. So Jesus, seeing that need, he's healing every sickness and disease amongst the people. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion for them because they were weary, scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his harvest. So we all have people we want to get saved. We all people we want to see come. That's your harvest. But God says, I, I need people to go into my harvest. And the, let me just give it to you like this. If you will go after his harvest, he guarantees you will receive your harvest. 
But if you're waiting to go into his harvest till you get your harvest, you may not get either one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, see, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and do the will of God. We're called to do his will, not to get him to do ours. He knows your desires. He knows who you love. He, know, he wants your family saved, though. He wants your harvest field saved more than you want them saved. He wants them saved so much that he gave his body and shed his blood for them to be saved. He loves the law, and he loves your, your, your loved ones. He loves your friends. He loves everybody saved. But he says the way it works is you go and, and get involved in my harvest, and I'll make sure you receive your harvest. Amen. So that's how we live for the Lord. Look at your outline this morning. Over the past few weeks, we've been examining the life of Christ, how he came to serve as one who ministers to the needs of those he was sent to. Jesus came as our example. He came to minister to the needs of those he was sent to. Think about it. We have, been, have, have, we have examined the example he set before his disciples after the last meal he ate with them before his betrayal and crucifixion. John 13, he gets up, as we said, washes their feet. But hear this. His intention was to redirect their focus on the task and purpose he had called them to fulfill. The moment you get saved, you know the Bible says the moment you get saved, you are baptized into the body of Christ. And being baptized into the body of Christ, that means you are a set member in the body. And you're set with purpose and function in the body of Christ. Just like every member and every organ that makes up your body has a set purpose. And when every, every part of our body, every member, every organ functions as it was designed to function, then the body is whole and strong. And so there's a reason that Paul gave us that illustration. There's a reason we're called the body of Christ. There's a reason it says that we're jointly framed and fit together. And when we're all framed together and we work together as one, then the body edifies itself in love. Amen. So watch this. Jesus had great love for each of his disciples. He even gave Judas the opportunity or space for repentance right up until his actual betrayal. What does that mean? That means that he cares for each of us with the same personal love and compassion. God is always working with his love and compassion in our lives. But the question now arises, are we being preserved by his love or are we willing to be propelled by his purpose? Because it's easy just to abide in the love of God. It's another thing to give ourselves to God and allow him to propel us with his purpose in our life. You see, the promises of God give us the assurance of his provision and protection in our life and release us to fulfill the purpose of God through our life. I don't have to get blessed. I am a blessed man. If we would quit trying to be blessed and reckon ourselves as blessed and know that God has already made provision for us, then we would be released to minister to others. You see, he's promised to preserve you, so the challenge is now to let him propel you into the harvest. See, Jesus had two streams of teaching. Look inside your outline. He had two streams of teaching. Number one is what each one must do to enter his kingdom. The Bible tells us what I have to do, what you have to do individually to enter into the kingdom. Second stream of teaching is what each one must do to help others enter into the kingdom. He taught about what you had to do. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. But then he says to his disciples, come and I will make you fishers of men. So it's not just enough to be born again. Once you got it, you're supposed to share it. Amen. That's the gospel. Praise the Lord. So look at number one, what each one must do to enter into his kingdom. 
He, he preached, Jesus preached, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He ministered forgiveness and restoration to all who would receive him. He showed compassion, not condemnation, to those bound by sin. The great news today is that when we come in contact with people, God loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you a reconciled relationship with your heavenly Father. He's here for every one of us in that same manner today. Could you say amen? But he declared to Nicodemus, as I said, how does that happen? You have to be born again. Amen. You accept Christ as your Savior. You hear the word. You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. And you're born again. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Secondly, what each one must do to help others enter into his kingdom. First and foremost, the only reason he was in the earth was for others. Jesus, why did Jesus come to the earth? He didn't come just to check it out, to hang out in the stuff he made. Hey, I made all this. I think I'll go vacation there. He didn't come to the earth for a vacation to check out his handiwork. He came to redeem it back to what it was created to be. He came to redeem you back to what you were created to be, not what you were ripped off from. Amen. Not to leave you there, but to restore you. So first and foremost, the only reason he was in the earth was for others. He came to seek and to save the lost. You see, if I claim to be his follower, then I must be a builder of his kingdom. If I claim to be a Christian, I have to be a kingdom builder. The only thing that brings increase into his kingdom is souls. All the other stuff we get involved in, that's all good stuff. We do all the social stuff. We'll help. We'll do everything else. Even our Lord's gym, everything we do, all the stuff we do, that's good stuff. That, that helps people on a natural level. But God's not concerned about helping people on the natural level. He cares about people's souls being saved. Jesus came to seek and to save the law. Think about what we have. We just partook of that right here. This is why he came, that he gave his life a ransom for all. We partook of him giving his life so others could be restored. The only passion that Jesus had was for the lost. That's the only passion he had. We can be passionate about a lot of things, and you need to be involved. We need to be encouraged. You need to run for office if God commissions you. You need to get involved in things. We need to speak up. We need to stand up for equity. We need to stand up for justice. You need to have that. But you can never have a passion higher as a Christian than the gospel and seeing men and women come to Christ. Amen. The only purpose he gave his disciples was reaching the lost. We read it in Matthew 9. The harvest is so great, the workers are so few. Pray to the one in charge of harvesting. Ask him to recruit workers for the harvest field. Another translation says it like this, verse 35. Vast fields of human souls are ripening in John 35. 34, 35. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready for reaping now. Hear this this morning. The devil wants you living distracted. He's a great distractor. Amen. How many saw the movie Up? Remember the movie Up? How many remember the dog with the cone of shame on? Now it's a squirrel. That's what Christians are. Squirrel, 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 squirrel. And we're caught in all this stuff, pulling us around, all different kinds of stuff. No, stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. You cannot read the Gospels. Hear me this morning. You cannot read the Gospels and come away with the mindset that all that is needed is just to have a personal relationship with God, be good, and wait for heaven. That might be the American Gospel, but that's not in the Gospel. 
Are you doing all right? So what? The general view of Christianity today or what makes a good Christian is this. Just going to church. Just being good. Just taking care of my family. Just reading my Bible. Praying. Giving my tithe. Just being faithful in these things is enough. What more could be expected of us? I thought we were saved by grace through faith, not by works. Yeah, but now that you're saved, you're supposed to get your hiney to work. Amen. Now that you're saved, you're supposed to be to work for the kingdom. Amen. See, there must be more to my life that connects me to his purpose for my life than just my personal walk in relationship with God. God's purpose for our life is more than just our personal relationship with him. God has you connected to somebody. This is what every person is going to find out. When you cross from this life into eternity, you are going to stand before God. And you're going to find out that souls were eternally connected to your life. You had an assignment from God. And somebody's eternity was connected to you fulfilling God's purpose in your life. That's the way God ordained it, that he would bring his plan to pass through us. He determined that, that the purpose that was hidden from the ages is now being manifest through the church. That's you and me. Are you doing all right? And we're living in the day when we're watching the culmination of all things come to pass. Look, at you're watching something called a pandemic. This isn't a global pandemic because they're not after herd immunity. They're after herd conformity. And you're seeing it all over right now. You're watching people. I, I'm continually watching people. They, they've already said the CDC, wearing masks does nothing for you. Right. Wearing a mask does nothing for you. But you got all these people driving in their cars, walking down the street, walking in park, walking everywhere. Nobody around them out in the open air. Wearing a mask. And it does nothing for you. Your masks have gaps on the side, gaps in the side, gaps underneath, and gaps between your ears. The only thing a mask does is it keeps you. The reason you wear a mask when you go into a hospital room and somebody is sick is so you don't contaminate them. It's not so much that you, they, they don't want them getting any sicker than they are or receiving anything else. And so, so the whole thing is turned around. But what we're getting now is herd conformity. On a global basis. And when people read their Bible and say, oh, there's no way that everybody would take a mark or come under a one world system or a government. Oh, yeah, because we've learned that if we can make you feel guilty about affecting somebody else. And we can manipulate you through that emotional bent. Then we can get you to conform to anything because everybody else will get on you for not caring about everybody else. That's not even my message, but you probably needed to hear it anyway. So what I mean is there must be more in my life that connects me to his purpose for my life than just my personal walk in relationship with God. It's not just about you, honey. I'm sorry to say that. Amen. It's not about you. It's about him. We just sang it. I exalt you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about him. In him, we live and we move and we have our being and we're called to live for his glory. And the way you give glory to God is by living to fulfill what he came to do. And that is to redeem humanity to himself. Proverbs 11 and verse 30 says this. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives for God. Get that. He who is wise captures human lives for God. 
as a fisher of men. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Come, and I will make you fishers of men. He gathers and receives them for eternity. Matthew 13 and verse 23, the parable of the sower. I get so mad when people use the parable of the sower and the hundred, the 30, 60, and 100 fold to connect it to getting an increase off of money. It has nothing to do with money. Zero to do with money. It has to do with souls being saved. Amen. The good ground represents the heart of a man who listens to the message and understands it and goes out. Somebody say goes out goes out and brings 30, 60, or even 100 others into the kingdom. Hallelujah. I love that. Amen. Mark 4 and verse 20 says it like this. The good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a plentiful harvest for God. What's the harvest of the kingdom? It's not you getting a hundredfold return on your offering check. It's you bringing souls into the kingdom. God's harvest is people. When Jesus said, look, the fields are ripe under the harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest going out. He wasn't talking to anybody about money. Are you doing all right? Now let me just back up and say that God will bless you with all the money you need to live according to his purpose. And he'll bless you in abundance and over. God takes delight in the prosperity of his people. If he gave us Jesus, he will also freely give us all things to enjoy. But if I have to have, oh, man. So what? 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as was planted in their hearts. See, all these years in pastoring and preaching, the joy of me is when somebody else, I see somebody else get a hold of what got a hold of me. That God got a hold of my life, and I see somebody else receive that. And you see God get a hold of their life. There's no greater joy than allowing God to use you to reach somebody else for his glory. Amen? Luke 8, 15 says it like this. The good soil represents honest, good-hearted people. They listen to God's word and cling, and cling to them and steadily spread them to others who also soon believe. I put it like this. The easiest way to share the gospel, can I tell you how good God's been to me? Just to brag to somebody. You don't have to quote scripture. You have to memorize your Bible. Just tell somebody what God has done for you. Tell him, just like the man in John chapter 9. He says, I don't know about any of this stuff. I just know I was blind and now I see. I know this. I know I was lost and I've been found. I know life with God has been better than life without God. Can I tell you where I was when he found me? Can I tell you what he brought me through? Can I tell you what it's been like serving him? Could I just tell you how good my God is? Would you like to know a good God? Amen. How many know God's been given a bad rap? And he needs somebody to turn that around and brag about him instead of complaining about it. You know why people complain about God? Because he's not giving them what they want. Thank you for that, amen. I'll preach it anyway. <laughs> well, I've been praying and God hasn't answered my prayers. I don't understand why God doesn't answer my prayer. I've been praying for so long about this. It hasn't come to pass yet. Blah, 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 blah. Well, God bless you. Because my Bible says seek first. 
Because you're asking God to meet all these needs and all these things. Jesus said like this. There's a reason he preached it to the multitude on the Sermon on the Mount. God knows what you need to wear. He knows what you need to eat. He knows you need a place to live. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So, well, you're frustrated about not having enough clothes to wear, not having enough food to eat, complaining about your house. That's what you're caught up in. And so while you're caught up in all that, you're not going after God. I'm just being a pastor this morning. You can love me or like me. I feel like John Maxwell. I'm your friend. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this. The word of God is the seed that's been sown into our hearts. The harvest that it produces is the life of God in us and in others we sow into. Harvest flows from the salvation that has been planted in our heart. God placed his salvation in my life, and and now I just share that life with others. Amen. True believers bring forth an increase of souls flowing from a harvest from their lives, as a harvest from their lives, into his kingdom, 30, 60, and even 100 souls. We must fight to avoid the things that seek to enter in and choke out the harvest God has for our lives. Every one of you, there are souls connected to every believer's life. Souls. That's why God gives you places of influence. If God puts Pastor Brian, if it's the will of God for him to be in in, in the public arena, I guarantee one thing he's going to do, he's going to continue to share the gospel. And God will give a broad, his, his area of influence to share the gospel and lead people to Christ because he is a pastor and a man of God and God is moving him into this arena and God will do the same thing for you. He'll move you into a re- arena if you'll be faithful in your initial call. Are you doing all right? So he's going he's gonna to say, why are you here? Well, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you that I was a ten-time felon. Let me tell you that I was in prison. Let me tell you about what happened with this. Let me tell you about that. But my God brought me out. and God has brought me here. They told me I couldn't run. They told me I couldn't do this. They told me it would never happen. But my God has given me favor. And my God has opened the door. Yeah. And people are, I'll vote for that. Are you doing all right? Amen. People say, man, that sounds like a good God. Could you tell me how to meet him? Are you doing all right? So watch it. Luke 18.4 says this. 18.14. I like the living Bible the way it says it. The seeds among thorns represent those who listen and believe God's word, but whose faith afterwards is choked out by worry and riches and responsibilities and pleasures of life. And so are never able to help anyone else. Believe the good news. Wow. Matthew 13, 22 from the Living Bible. The ground covered with thistles represents a man who hears the message. But the cares of this life, his longing for money, choke out God's word. And he does less and less for God. Mark 4, 18 and 19. The thorny ground represents the hearts of God's people who listen to the good news and receive it. But all too quickly, the attraction of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and lure of nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their heart so that no crop is produced. Now listen, Jesus taught this parable to his disciples and he said, if you don't get this, 
you don't understand any of it. This is a foundational truth of what God desires to do through our life. Mark 4, 18 and 19 from the Amplified Bible says it like this. And the ones sown among the thorns are those who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasures and the delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the cravings and passions and desires for other things creep in, choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. All that is the enemy giving access to the enemy to come in because the devil is out against the word. That's why it starts. As soon as the, the, the word is sown in your heart, the enemy comes immediately to keep it from producing in your life and spreading into the lives of others. Let me put you like, the devil has no problem with you being an individual Christian. He had no problem with you being a personal Christian, just taking care of yourself and doing anything else. He'll let you be that type of personal Christian. But just go ahead and get involved with other people. And you'll find out what opposition is. Because he's not worried about you by yourself. He's worried about you multiplying yourself like Jesus into somebody else. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Matt, if you'll come back to the car. Time to start a servolution. What's that mean? You know what a servolution says? It says it's not about me. Life is not about me. Look at what Jesus, I didn't come to be served. He said, I came to give my life. He came to serve. Jesus said, if you want to be great, be the servant of all. You see, there's a cause and a kingdom that we are a part of. There's a cause and a kingdom that we are a part of. How many know that David didn't go down the battle against Goliath for himself? He was sent there by his father. And when he got there, he saw there was a cause that was greater than just his own needs. And he rose up to face a cause that was greater than just his own life. And he rose up on behalf of other people. And what David did, did do nothing really for himself, but it set a whole nation free. And so when you let God begin to move through your life, God will move you and position you so what he does through your life has an impact and brings freedom to those around you. Could you shout amen this morning? God's trying to do something dynamic in your life. I believe we're the church for the last days. I believe that God has put us here because he wants to manifest his glory through the body of Christ. But it takes believers that are going to rise up and say, you know what? I'm done with nominal Christianity. I'm done with Sunday morning, just go to church. I'm done with just wanting to feel good. I want to see God do something through my life. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So watch this. A servolution is greater than my ministry. My personal interest, my passion, my desire. You can have all of those, but serving God is greater than all that. Our business is to be about His business, and our will is to do His will. At the age of 12, Jesus said it like this to His parents, I must be about my Father's business. And when He prayed in the garden, He prayed, Father, not my will, but Yours be done. The hardest thing to do is to give our will, bury our will, and have it be resurrected new in Christ Jesus. To give our life over completely to God. But man, if we ever do, it's transformational in our life. Hear me today. We live in a society that seeks their own, builds their own, lives for their own interests, desires in having the American dream. Jesus came and called people to forsake everything to follow him. Jesus came and said, hey, I'm asking you to leave everything and follow me. 
I shared this a while back and, and as I was reading it and I think I brought it up here. But, but, but what does it mean to be one with Christ? What does it mean to be one with your spouse? To be one. I came that they might be one. When it says of a husband and wife that they become one. To be one with somebody means nothing in between. If I'm one with somebody, there's nothing in between us. And you, to be one with Christ, you can't have your desires, your plans, your purposes, anything in between Him. You say, Lord, I give everything up that I could be one with you. I want nothing between us. And when Jesus said, if you desire to be my disciple, then you have to forsake everything and follow me. You can't love anybody else. Well, you know, I love you, Lord, but, but I just have this person. I just have this relationship. I just have this thing. I just have that. And, 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 and so I put something between it. But now there's no connection there. See, I have a little bit of connection on top, a little bit at the bottom, but primarily there's no full connection. I'm put it like this. There's no intimacy there. And if, there, and if there's no connection and no intimacy, you cannot produce life. Are you doing all right? I'd go a little deeper, but there's children in the audience this morning. The, the purpose of connection, the purpose of becoming one is to produce new life. And if I keep anything between me and the one I'm to be one with, there'll be no production of new life. Jesus said, and Paul said, in order for this to happen, we have to renew our mind. So here's the question as I close. Does this mean we give up everything, lose everything, deny ourselves everything, and never have anything? How many know what the answer is? Rhetorical question. No. That is not what it means. Amen. My life is so blessed. But I haven't lived trying to get blessed. I've lived for God. And living for God, God has blessed our life. Amen. It's a, I, God, if, I could, if you will seek His harvest, He will make sure you get your harvest. And, 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 and God knows what you like. He knows, he knows what makes you happy. Amen. Man, this was years and years and years. I'll give you one example. Years and years ago, this was 1995, okay? 1995, 26 years ago. We had a family that went to the church. We were at a church picnic, and they rode motorcycles. They rode Harleys. And they said, hey, uh, you like motorcycles? I go, yeah. I said, I've always liked sports. I just think the tank is cute. <laughs> little, little, the peanut tank on sports, the original peanut tank. Hey, that's cute. And then they started putting bigger tanks on, trying to make sportsers look like diners or whatever, stuff like that. But I, whatever. I said, no, I just always liked that. I said, this cool-looking tank. And stuff. So they teased me one day, and they came in the office, and they put a sportster tank on my desk. <laughs> I said, oh, no, we're just kidding. And they gave me a pink slip to a 1995 Harley Davidson Sportster. Wow. So my first motorcycle was a gift. But I like that. God delights in blessing you. But look at that's why. That he listen. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you. You can seek them, or you can let him give you. 
And then all the other things that have happened down through the year on different things like that and things I enjoy doing, activities I have, things that I like to do and that, that, that bring me joy in life. God makes sure you enjoy life. Listen to Jesus. I, I, listen to Jesus. I came that you might have life and have life what? More abundantly. God has no problem with that. But, but learning how to live in resurrection. That, that's the challenge. When you come to Christ, you, you die to your old man and you're raised up in newness of life in him. And in the newness of life in him is fullness of joy. Yes. Amen. I just have to stop and walk away. I, I look at what God's done and I, I'm so amazed. I, look at, I keep thinking about our church. Look what God's doing. We just want to love our community. We want to reach out. In the middle of a pandemic, God's allowing us to expand and to build and to do. And he's making, come on, this is so cool. God is so good. So what does it mean? Look at the last page of your outline. It simply means this. We live with the higher purpose in mind for our lives to count for more than just possessing what will pass away with this world or remain after we die. I want to live for more than stuff. Amen. How many have something that's never broke? What, do you ever buy anything that never wore out or broke? And have you noticed today, they used to make things that lasted a long time. Now they make things that last till you get it home. We had a toaster lasted three days. My mom's toaster lasted 45 years. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But so we're living for stuff that decays, that rots, that passes away. We're pouring all of our energy into to stuff that rots and decays instead of living for something called kingdom increase and eternal souls. I want to live for the increase of his kingdom through my life. So here's the question. Where do we go? Where do we look? Who do we serve? Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Just lift up your eye. The fields are already ripened to harvest. If you'll just say, God, use me, he'll put somebody in your path. He'll lead you to the harvest that's in his field. If we would redirect our focus, it is amazing what we would see and the opportunities that would be right in front of us daily. Are you ready for a servolution? I am. I believe there's a reason God's allowing us to expand our borders and to expand our outreach. But I want you to watch it. You guys ready, David, for our video? The only problem when it comes to serving God is that every one of us in here has too big of a butt. This is my favorite video ever. Turn it up. Turn it up. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before, you, before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But 
have to work more, but my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice, but I gotta tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading His Word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly, ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet, but others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible, but they won't like me if I talk about Jesus, but I don't know if God will do what I ask, but I just can't get motivated, but I'm afraid, but I don't have all the answers, but the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football, but can I just let my life speak for itself, but I'm not happy, that's not my gift, but that's the pastor's job, but I don't know how to pray, but I can't believe that, but I don't know where to start, but everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend, but, 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 here a but, there a but, everywhere a butt butt, okay? And, and, and the most overused butt of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on, we have a lot of butts. God has given us a real simple word, okay? If we learn it, and we share it, and we teach it, and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt, okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it if we start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. Favorite video of all time. Amen. Say it with me. Shrink the butt. Shrink the butt. <laughs> you all right, Pastor Brian? That's Caucasian humor. <laughs> and you said you got to love us. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> so let me close with this. We can do more than just provide a few things for people once or twice a year. We can become a people who live daily looking for the harvest that's right in front of us. We can become a church body and a church and a body of believers that shares the love of Christ that's been shed abroad in our hearts with those we come in contact with daily. Yes, we can collect resources and supplies. We can build. We can organize, plan for ways to effectively minister and to serve the needs of those right here in our community. We can be a servolution. But hear me, this is where we are today. We're currently living in a time where people's lives and livelihoods have been and are being completely turned upside down. Brokenness and despair are not hard to find. 
anger, animosity, and animosity fill the air and the conversations of our day. And we've been made living wells of compassion to bring refreshing into their lives. If we will only allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see with the same peripheral compassion that Jesus had, then we too would find our way to their feet and touch our world as He did. The greatest way to live for God is to let God live through you to touch somebody else. To every day say, God, touch through me. Let me be yielded to you. To thank Him for His goodness in your life and then to let Him touch through you. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray this prayer over all of our lives today. Father, I pray that you would change our hearts to beat with your compassion and love for the broken and wounded, lost and hurting people that you gave your son to die for. Let us see through your eyes, feel with your heart, and touch with your hands. Father, forgive us of our pride. Give us eyes to see, a heart to feel, and hands that will reach out to touch and heal. Let your well of compassion flow from our lives as a servant of servants. We want to be living bread and poured out wine for others. While you're here today, maybe say, Pastor Don, you know what? I came here today and I just need God's restoration in my life. I don't want the shame of my past and the guilt and the failures to hold me bound anymore. Today my heart's open to receive God's forgiveness and restoration in my life. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, to say yes to Him, to allow His love, His forgiveness, His restoration to come to you, to confess Christ as your Savior, to be born again, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. If there's anybody this morning that needs Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's here for you this morning. Anybody at all? I want to pray for you if there is.